The Hornets lose to the Phoenix Suns the second night of a back-to-back. But the more interesting storyline coming up from yesterday, perhaps the Hornets are interested in keeping P.J. Washington in restricted free agency. We break it all down today on Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast, and that includes YouTube. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. You can make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I'm Walker Mail. Catch me on WFNZ from 12 to 3, 92.7 FM, Wesson Walker. And that is Doug Branson. You can catch his Substack every Hornets box score, of course, at everyhornetsboxscore.com. New hat. Looks different. It's shiny. I like uh, it. It's not a new hat. It's it's a well, it's a draft. It's one of the draft hats and I'm not quite sure which year it is. It might, I think it was the Book Night Kai year. But I'm I'm glad you mentioned this because I wore this hat for a reason. If you watched the broadcast last night on Bally's, Adele commented on this hat that someone was wearing in Phoenix and said, "Hey, that's a nice hat." So I thought I'd I, I pull it out, wear it in honor of uh, DC g- giving it some shine. But yeah, yeah there you go. I uh, I mean, it looks good. I'm glad me and DC have the same thought. I did not hear him say that on the broadcast last night. So can't awesome see it, but it's Adele. also got. I'm a I'm a sucker for a great side patch here. Yeah, if I turn yeah. my head, I guess you could see it. So it's got the NBA 75 uh, patch on there. It's really really great hat. The 75 patch is cool. And by the way, not only well, I guess you didn't get a new hat. I just haven't seen you wear it, but. I got my Jordans in yesterday, tweeted that out. Big shout to the Sultan of Sneakers and Nada for the influence there. Big time shout. So cool that I got the Jordan 3s. And we move on because Doug doesn't want to talk about sneakers. He only <laughs> wants to talk about his hat. That's it. Um, <laughs> well, people care. Pe- here, but to be fair, people care about my hats. They they comment on every Hornets box score. They tweet at me about the hat collection. They care about the hats. Wait, hold on. I got some pretty big care on Twitter when I put my Jordans out there. Okay. okay, okay. So people are happy for me to get my first pair of Jordan threes. Let's talk about PJ Washington instead, though. I guess I can spare the people if it's going to be so painful to hear about my Jordans. So I know you heard a quote from Zach Lowe about the Charlotte Hornets are actually rumoredly interested in keeping PJ Washington through restricted free agency, where we had discussed him quite a bit over the last couple of seasons being one of the more valuable trade pieces on this roster, of course, not the NBA draft assets that you have, right? Just all of the assets that have grown legs. P.J. Washington, one of the more movable pieces, maybe one of the more attractable, uh, attractive pieces. But now with him hitting restricted free agency this offseason, now Zach Lowe says he hears the Hornets are uh, looking to keep him. So do you think that's a good idea? Do you buy it? What do you make of the news coming out from Zach Lowe? Yeah, it was on his latest podcast. The quote I'm seeing here is someone, he says, someone I would try to get is P.J. Washington. The intel I keep hearing now is they seem pretty determined to keep him in restricted free agency. And I I think that tells me a couple of things. One, that I think people are calling about P.J. Washington. There are interested parties in in acquiring P.J. Washington. And that that makes sense on some level. I mean, we've seen the potential – for him to do a lot of different things on the court on both sides of the ball. Offensively, uh, at times it's been streaky, but at times he's been a legitimate difference maker in terms of his ability to shoot the basketball. 
And on the defensive end, I mean, you wax poetic about his his block percentage. Like, you won't shut up about it. And so, well, you know. <laughs> I said it one true. time, but okay, great. <laughs> but Why other am I teams, catching strays, man? I don't know. Other teams are, but other teams are noticing this, Walker. And so it makes sense. I wonder how much of that intel from Zach is a little bit of gamesmanship. I hope it's gamesmanship, Walker, because my opinion is this. The Hornets should only have one sacred cow, and that sacred cow is named LaMelo Ball. Everybody else should be made available because, look, if they're really interested in bringing back P.J. Washington in restricted free agency, and they do so, and some of the reports that we've been hearing about their interest in bringing back Miles Bridges, if they do that as well, that feels a little bit like run it back to me. And I just at this point cannot understand why you would want to bring back a majority of the core of this roster. Obviously, injuries have been an issue this season, but I just have seen no real evidence over the past couple of seasons that this core leads to legitimate playoff contention. I really think they need to rethink everything, and that should include uh, you know, taking offers on P.J. Washington if they make sense. Well, yeah, and I don't. I hope, I hope they're not dodging any offers made to any player outside of Lamelo, right? I mean, if PJ Washington is extremely intri- intriguing to these other franchises, then listen to the offer and then see if it's worth it. You know, when when we're discussing whether you desperately want to move off of a guy or you want to keep him, PJ Washington is clearly somebody that I want to keep because I think his role is really valuable for a team that is able to take that next step. We're talking about a team that is awful defensively, and then you're giving up probably your strongest point defensively. So if you do that, that's going to be something that really takes a hit. I've always talked about his offensive role. If you move him down compared to him being the first or second option when he had to be that at the beginning of the season because of injuries, then it was very inconsistent. The consistency is not a strong suit even now, but the last 30 games coming into Phoenix, he was shooting 38 a little over that from three 38%. He was shooting 45% from the field. Those numbers are comparable to what he did last year. And that's actually on higher volume. So you're actually starting to see him shoot more, right? Be a higher part of the team, but with the same role, which is something I like. And so Mm -hmm. if he's not your, what he can be a starter for a team that advances in the playoffs. I have no doubt about that. Like I feel that strong about PJ, but he's not going to be your first, second, maybe even third best player. But with your Swiss Army knife or your cell phone, if that's the best substitute that we thought of for P.J. defensively, <laughs> right. where P.J. is able to do that, and then offensively just knock down three-point shots, the, the range that he and Jalen McDaniels are able to cover, Jalen a little bit on, on a lighter note here, he's not going to get paid as much as P.J. Yeah, those are the guys that I want to keep as rotation players, as starters, as guys you can depend on when your stars aren't performing for you and you need somebody else to pick up the slack. Yeah, P.J. Washington has certainly been a smartphone this season because he can download different apps for different situations. He's raised his <laughs> there you go. He's raised his percentage at the rim pretty significantly. Right now, um, he's listed at 70% at the rim, which is 67th percentile among forwards, according to Cleaning the Glass. There has been a, a drop in his three-point percentage, but really only a drop back down to the average for his position. They have him at 36% from all three, is shooting a good corner three ball at 39%. Uh, so and he has a good relationship with with uh, Lamelo Ball on the floor. I, I've mentioned several times that their pick and pop game is so in sync. Like they they know how to play with one another, and maybe that's important. And maybe you value that as a team moving forward with or without Miles Bridges. You want to keep players around 
LaMelo that makes sense for his game and, and elevate him as well as a player that can be elevated by LaMelo. So I understand that. My concern is that you move into restricted free agency and you're not really in sync with the value that P.J. Washington sees in himself. We had some reports that, you know, P.J. wanted a number that the Hornets, you know, in early negotiations weren't really comfortable, you know, putting down that early extension. And so if that's still the case after this season and, and you have to let him go to another team, you've lost now that opportunity to get any kind of value for him. And, and I think that would be a real shame. No. Yeah. And, and I think if it's, if it's 20 million, that's the reported asking prize from PJ uh-huh. Washington's party. We see this all the time though. Players are going to ask for a certain amount of money and they may get it. They may not, but they're asking for it. It doesn't mean that's what they're going to get paid. And it'll be interesting to see exactly how much PJ gets paid, right? We just saw the Rui Hachimura trade. It was for Kendrick Nunn, who's not been a whole lot for the Lakers. And it was three second round picks. And so if you're talking about that many second rounders, at some point you get into first round territory. Now, what is the protection like for PJ, for someone that let's just split the difference and say he's worth 17, 18, something like that. So, right. If, if this is unprotected first round pick, and some kind of reclamation project or, you know, even if you get over a hundred cents on the dollar and it's not some godfather offer, cause that's not going to, that's yeah. not going to be what PJ brings in, then yeah, then you, you got to consider it. And it's not like he's been so special. There's no way that you can get rid of him, right? No player has been mm-hmm. that except mm-hmm. mellow on the roster. But mm-hmm. I think with, with all of the most play outable scenarios in my head, most of those scenarios to me say, okay, it's just smarter to pay and keep PJ Washington. Right. And, and I would, and I would be on board with you, especially if they were able at this trade deadline to move Terry Rozier or Gordon Hayward's contract, because 100%. then that opens up a lot more uh, eventualities for the Charlotte Hornets for sure. But I have, I'm laughing to myself because I have this like baby naive hope that's based on no evidence. I'm sitting here talking about like, I hope that Zach Lowe Intel is smoke and mirrors from Mitch Kupchak that he's really just driving up the price. And I'm just talking myself into what is probably going to amount to nothing, right? Like we're going to be sitting here the day after the trade deadline going, well, here we are again. They didn't do anything. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but I'm still, yet I still have that little kid hope uh, that daddy's going to come home from the store uh, and he's, he's going to have a carton of cigarettes and he's going to have a candy bar for me. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's and, all I hope. And that 2% milk he promised mom. And hopefully that all <laughs> happens. <He came> back. <laughs> well, coming up. <laughs> Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll recap this game against the Phoenix Suns. No Mark Williams in this game until trash time. That was it. We'll discuss that coming up next on Locked On Hornets. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers can join today to get started with $150 in free bets, all guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. All in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner 
of the NFL. Hey, Walker, 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 before, Walker, before we go, do you want to guess the line for Charlotte Hornets NBA Finals? What do you think it is? Charlotte Hornets, <laughs> man. I, it's on I FanDuel. Mean, These are FanDuel lines for Charlotte Hornets right. NBA Finals. What do you think? Um, I'll go 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> Times 10, baby. 10X plus 50,000. Put it down. Is that right? I, I mean, yeah, I do. That's me not understanding the gauge of how far to go down because it would have been the furthest to to go down. So I just had no clue. Yeah, I know the top, I guess, of the numbers, but the bottom, I have no clue. All right, we dissect that 5,000 to 50,000 to 500,000 number next. Locked on Hornets. Is locked on Hornets. This says the Hornets received three votes for their handling of James Borrego, who was viewed as doing a good job the past couple of years before Charlotte fired like him, him man. after the season. Then hire him. No one's hired him. These GMs are like, oh, we love James Borrego. Are you, you going to hire him? I don't think so. He got blown out twice and played him. You can't hire that guy. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, I didn't expect to beat the Phoenix Suns last night. It's not something that I came in hoping for. Of course not. Second night of a back-to-back, and hell, they could have had five days rest. I know they had the injuries, Doug. I know they did. I, I still did not expect. You can't expect the Hornets to win, okay? Like, you can have That's the true. hope, but you can't You can't expect them to win. I did, expect Mark Williams to, I, I did expect Mark Williams to play, and that didn't happen. We didn't see him play until the very end of this game where it was nothing. Nick Richards, he comes in, plays 17 minutes, and he hits one field goal, goes two of four from the free throw line. He did have three blocks, but he had four points and uh, wasn't as exciting as what Mark Williams had brought you a couple of times um, in in, uh, in his young tenure here with the Charlotte Hornets' his rookie season. Why is Steve Clifford playing Nick Richards, Doug? Well, he, I mean, he, he really told us that this was going to happen. This, this shouldn't be a surprise if you've been listening to Steve Clifford. He wants to get both Nick Richards and Mark Williams run, and he is still playing uh, Mason Plumley because, you know, Mason Plumley is the starter, and there's been no reason to, to not make him the starter moving forward. And he stayed healthy, and he's playing really well. We, we said it a couple of shows ago. He is one of only two Hornets that uh, has a positive total points added along with LaMelo Ball. So there's no reason not to make him the starter. So you've got a problem. You can't play any of these guys together. You can't because Mark, none of these guys can shoot. So you can't play any of these centers together. Uh, So you've got to find time for both of these guys. If you feel like both of these players and Nick Richards and Mark Williams are part of your future. So he's going to do this. I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's like necessarily hurting uh, Mark Williams or Nick Richards. It seems to be hurting Nick Richards more because I don't think he played well in this game. He he had two sort of throwback Nick Richards kinds of mistakes on inbounds plays that ended up being turnovers. You know, I thought defensively, especially in that second quarter, the reason part of the reason they were down 30 is because they were just making defensive mistake after defensive mistake. And a lot of that was Nick Richards in the pick and roll, doing things that he's been doing all year in the pick and roll, which is just like not paying attention, not being where he's supposed to be languishing in the pain instead of moving around. So like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if like sitting on the bench for a couple of games is really helping Nick Richards. Mark Williams seems to be somebody who can come in, even though he sat a couple of games and still make an impact. Uh, so, so I think this is telling you sort of where the starting center is moving, and it's moving more in the direction of Mark Williams than it is Nick Richards. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm I'm hoping that Mark Williams didn't play here because maybe second night of a back to back. Not that Mark is tired. There, I mean, he hadn't played enough to be tired, and he's and he's young. So there's there's no reason for the tired thing. But I'm hoping that is somewhere baked into the equation as to why Nick is getting playing time. And you're right. I was at the game that Steve Clifford said we're not going to go two weeks without playing a, a guy, one of these centers. And it's not fair to Mark and it's not fair to Nick Richards, but I don't want to go a long stretch of time without either one of these backup centers seeing playing time. And so it was Nick Richards turn to take with this Phoenix suns game here. I just am frustrated by it because of course, Mark is the thing that gives us hope the most right in the episode yesterday that we had with one, Nada Edwards, where we all focused on the joy. We we chose to focus on the joy. We all turned to Mark Williams first and foremost because you didn't have LaMelo Ball. It was a loss by close to 20 against the Utah Jazz. So we we focused on Mark, and we didn't get that last night. Yeah, and and Nick Richards, I don't think, is is helping you enough offensively to overcome some of the defensive issues he has, while Mark Williams, on the other hand, uh, is doing a few nice things offensively and is doing enough things defensively with blocks and steals and just his general you know, knowledge of how to navigate a pick and roll. Now, Mark still has things to work on. He's not a perfect player. If he were a perfect player, then Nick Richards would be. Look, if, if Mark were playing such that he was undeniable, then Nick Richards wouldn't be playing. You know, Mark is a rookie, and he's doing some rookie things, some rookie mistakes every once in a while. His rebounding has got to get better. I mean, that was mm-hmm. – we, we didn't really dig down deep into Mark's game against Utah, but that's, you know, something that showed up in that game and it showed up in multiple games. Mark Williams, he has a couple of incredible rebounds that he that he uses his long wingspan to grab when no one else can and, and his, his jumping ability. But I think his general rebounding work uh, still needs improvement. So that we're just going to see that all season. We got to get used to it. We got to we got to sit in it until maybe they move Mason Plumley. Maybe they move Nick Richards. I mean that that wouldn't be crazy either. There could be a thought from the organization. Hey, we still have to showcase Nick Richards a little bit because it's going to be really difficult to move any of these guys if if it seems like the organization is putting them on ice because they can't play. Right, and and I'm. Of course, Mark Williams is not a perfect player. I mean, no, nobody nobody on the roster is even. I mean, and that's even true for LaMelo. As much as he's untradeable, nobody is a perfect player. But with Mark Williams, I, I will be honest, I, I don't know. Nick, Nick probably brings a better physicality. He's definitely a better offensive rebounder. That's true. Mm-hmm. What else do you think Nick Richards does better than Mark right now? Because I, I, I think outside of physicality, I think of outside of offensive rebounding specifically, maybe he's a better defensive rebounder. I don't think there's a huge gap. And no. so I don't know if I point to anything at Nick and say, oh, okay, yeah. Like, you, you got it. Nick is way better at that. I mean, I honestly, I mean, Doug, I think offensively, Mark Williams is flat out better than Nick. Like, I, I think the touch is better from Mark. We've seen that. I think we've seen him finish dunks a little bit more on rolls more than Nick. Like, maybe Nick will... will will be a beast when he grabs an offensive board. And and clearly he's better at that. Like he's one of the better big men in the league when it comes to the offensive glass. I just, I think a couple categories that, that Richards has the edge in and pretty much everything else. I'm kind of going Mark at this point. Do you disagree? I don't know. That's why I said, I think, I think this whole yeah. period has shown that Mark Williams is, has right. pulled ahead of Nick Richards for the future starting position. But I don't think Mason Plumlee is a future part of this team, which means that you've got to have a backup center. So, Mm -hmm. again, I think this is more about just keeping Nick Richards in the flow, 
And uh, but but yeah, I totally agree that Mark Williams has pulled ahead and and should be the starter in a non Mason Plumlee universe. Um, so if, if we just focus on rookie watch just for one more moment before we move on to the final segment, Bryce McGowan's got the start in this game against Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Struggled against Utah, 0 of 7 from the field. It continued offensively for him, you know, only 2 of 8 from the field. Only took one three-pointer, so he missed quite a bit of shots inside the three-point arc. Did have a few assists, played 22 minutes. What did you think of uh, Bryce McGowan's game? It's a tough one. I mean, you know, he so he gets the start, and his matchup is Cam Johnson, somebody that's taller than him and a lot more skilled. Eight in this game. Right. And he he absolutely destroyed the Hornets in this game. It wasn't just about Bryce, but but he had four three pointers made. He went four of four, Cam Johnson did, before the seven minute mark of the first quarter. That was that was almost all on Bryce McGowan's. And so Bryce sits after that timeout and uh, they go to DSJ. But after the game, Clifford said, this is a good learning experience for Bryce McGowan's. Clifford still loves what Bryce McGowan's is bringing, and and there are going to be these lumps that you have to take, and it's all about how you respond to it. So often, that's what coaches are looking for. They're not looking, especially in, in a team situation like this where winning is not it shouldn't be the paramount thing. It's, it's, it is more about player development at this point. Yeah, you know, they want to see how you respond to these games. And and everything that I've seen, even when Bryce gets hammered like that, he comes back in later in the game and, and goes back to exactly what he was doing. Stays aggressive, looks, you know, again, he's going to improve. I, I take some positives away from this. I think Clifford did too, and, and I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, I, I, I look at Bryce McGowan's getting playing time, and you can tell how much Steve Clifford likes him, you know, and, and the fact – that if you're talking about trying to move towards improvement, giving the second round player some time is excellent right now. And again, I, I keep going back to the fact that it's not just that Bryce McGowan's has been given this these minutes because, all right, well, whatever. I mean, we're, we're going to lose anyway, so why don't you just go ahead and be the reason we lose? I mean, he's getting more minutes here because he has earned them when guys have gone down to Cody Martin, to Gordon Hayward, who did not play in this game, something we need to mention you know, I, I do like that Bryce McGowan's has kind of earned these minutes with uh, Steve Clifford. So, all right, let's um, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more. Empty your notebook. Coming up next, Lockdown Hornets. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. A lot of players got some playing time in this one. Now, yes, a lot of it garbage time at the very end, but you really can empty the notebook because anybody that was on the roster, they got some time against Phoenix. So, Doug, he empties the notebook, a part of his Substack everyhornetsboxboard.com that's coming up next is locked on hornets here's the thing shangun is goofy looking right like he's he's goofy like he's just built proportionally (laughs) odd i used to coach kindergarten to like third grade level basketball and there was always one kid that would run up the floor every year i had a kid that would run up the floor with his shoulders pinned back and kind of do this number as he ran up the floor, chest poking out, shoulders pinned back. And that's how Shingun runs. He's goofy looking. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. <laughs> Got some new bumps in there. How many did you make? I've only made those. I've made two new ones so far, but I, I've got some new software that makes making those a little bit easier. So we should get some new ones in the rotation. I should clarify, like, yeah, Shin Goon's goofy looking, but he's good. I mean, that's really. I bring it up just because I think I think uh, 
uh, Jokic is goofy looking. Uh, the, the thing is, I think over the past couple of years, we've seen really the rise of the goofy looking player. I mean, the goofy looking players are out there balling right now, making great passes and uh, dunking on folks. So, you know, that's it's really not it sounds like an insult, but it's not an insult. I don't know if they're dunking on folks, but they, but they are making a big impact. They, you know, Nikola Jokic, Shingu, I mean, Jokic, I know you know, Jokic is always in the MVP conversation. He's goofy looking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm goofy looking. That's I'm really it's a compliment. I'm saying, hey, yeah, you know, you know, it's good one for the goofy looking guys. All right, goofy looking one. Can you empty the notebook for all of us and tell us what was going through your mind watching this game against Phoenix? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's the broken bowl. It was a lot of injuries on both sides. I was looking up the line. It was still minus six and a half going to the Suns. So even though the Suns were missing a number of players, including uh, they were missing DeAndre Ayton, they were missing Crowder, Shamit, Campaign, and of course, Devin Snooker. Didn't, at least we didn't have to be subjected to Devin That's Snooker's right. nonsense. Um, or so, your nonsense about Devin Snooker all that much. No, right? no, it's all on Devin. I mean, come on, you know, just <laughs> just win. Just win something. That's all I'm asking. Just win something before, no. you know, you think about yourself. That's all I'm saying for Devin Booker. So no. it was the broken bowl. I expected the Hornets to compete a little bit more. But like you said, second night of a back-to-back, end of a tough road trip. They did win two out of the four. Uh, they're still playing hard. Uh, to me, this is the story of the season, right? You're playing hard. You're dealing with a number of injuries. The offense is miserable. The offense had improved with LaMelo coming back for the second time. But we're back, you know, with him out, with Gordon out. The offense is just miserable. They cannot shoot threes. And now they're not taking threes anymore. Exactly what happened earlier in the season without all of those guys. Um, this, this is a team that has to go to the rim. Teams know that. I do think here's a, the interesting thing from this game, Walker, is that Clifford did something. He's probably done it once or twice in the season, but we have not seen him do it much. It's something we saw Borrego do a lot last season, and that's go to the zone defense. Yeah. When they were down 30, they go down 30 in the second quarter with about seven minutes left to play. They're down 50 to 20. This looked like it was going to be a historic halftime score for the Phoenix Suns. Instead, the Hornets, I said on Twitter, I said it was like Clifford breaking glass in case of emergency and pulling out a whiskey bottle and saying, let's go, boys, we're going zone. <laughs> they go zone, and they go on a 27-5 to run to get back into the game. It was incredible. But what do you think about Clifford desperately going to the zone defense to make something happen? Oh, man, is, is he just in full experimental mode now? He's like, all right, well, JB did it. <laughs> Screw it. Let's see. Let's just throw it out there. Hey, you know, let's uh, sprinkle some James Book Knight into at the very end. We'll, we'll see what Book Knight can do. All right, go ahead, Bryce. Hey, Bryce, you want to start? Fine, cool. Let's. Whatever. Let's, let, yeah, we'll just have you start this game. No big deal. JT Thor. Uh, nine minutes. Uh, okay, that's fine. Just go out there, and uh, he actually had a bounce back game. To be honest with you, with the way that he played. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, you saw Clifford just go to every single player because, again, it was at the end of this contest. But you're right. He does go to zone. And you don't have LaMelo Ball. You don't have Kelly Oubre. I mean, it's crazy, right? Like, this this is one, even with Phoenix, you mentioned it being the broken ball for them. No LaMelo, no Cody, no Oubre, no Gordon. I, you're just talking about so many different ball handlers and guys that can initiate offense. And and then when you bring in Dennis Smith Jr., as much as I love what you've seen from him defensively this year, the offense is going way down. It's brutal right now. He's just not hitting shots. And the assist numbers were up 
a couple of times, but only three here. Dennis Smith Jr., man, I want him to bounce back strong. Like I, I, I want him to play himself into a meaningful contract because I, I think after he came back from injury, you know, it, it's not going to be what it was pre-injury for sure. Walker, I'm afraid to say it. I think DSJ is playing himself in a no contract again. I mean, I just – it has been difficult to watch him play. And here's the real problem is that it's difficult to watch him play offensively, but I think it's starting to leak into his defense as well. I didn't see the same DSJ – and again, caveat, they played some zone in this one, so there, you know, there weren't as many man-to-man opportunities – for DSJ, but I, over the past couple of games, I just haven't seen that same DSJ. And there were moments in this game, a particular moment when uh, DSJ uh, airballed a three and then ran to the other end and swiped down on Mikel Bridges and gave up an and one. And, and a pretty critical, I think it was in the third quarter, critical moment when they were teetering. They could have gotten back into the game. <laughs> they could have gotten back into Utah. They could have gotten back in a lot of these games, but they make these foul mistakes, give up these easy points. Uh, but that's not something we've seen DSJ do a lot this season. Where I think I think the offensive struggles are starting to leak into his ability to play defense. And and he's the problem for the Hornets is that they have so many injuries, they're forced to lean on DSJ. And he's one of the guys that's open because again, teams understand, hey, we can go and play aggressively on every Terry Rozier possession because we know that's all they have. And so we can leave DSJ open. And he's taking these three pointers, and they're just missing horribly. And, and it's been it's been difficult to watch. Uh, I I don't take any pleasure oh, yeah. in in watching DSJ play this way. Can I tell you a remarkably bad stat for Dennis Smith Jr.? Go for it. Since January fourth against Memphis, okay, so almost mm-hmm. the entire month. The only game not included here is the Lakers game on January second. So since January fourth against Memphis. Dennis Smith Jr. has gone 0 for 19 in every game since that contest. That's 11 games included, 0 of 19. So he's 0 of 1, 0 of 0, 0 of 1, 0 of 3, 1 attempt, 4 attempts, 2, 4, 1, 2. It's bad. And the guy. I know where to go, but up, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think he is. Yes, and the joke. Joe can still hit, but I think he is, right? I think there have been times in some of those one-attempt games where you could see him. I mean, I think even against Boston. So with with the Boston contest, I think it was the second one. It was uh, it was MLK Day where he catches it in the corner, and he had gone 0-4 in this one, right? So one of the more uh, attempt-laden games for him. And, I mean, there's a lot of separation. I, I think it's Al Horford who just decides not to go out there in the corner. But because Dennis Smith Jr., was cognizant of that he catches it and then blows by Al Horford despite there being like six feet of cushion and then has a reverse layup it's an actually nice play now normally you would just take the open three you know open three from the corner but DSJ just catches it and immediately blows by whoever was defending him and it was like okay if you could do that every time then fine but the the obvious notion is that you can't and so it's really hurt his offense, especially when he's not facilitating at a high level. I I would still value him defensively coming off of the bench, but you're right. The offense has been a, a huge minus. There, there's there's no there's no defending it. Yeah, intent. well, it's a huge minus because you have no other sixth man, right? I mean, Kelly Oubre out, Gordon Hayward out. So, you know, you don't have another wing that can that can come off the bench and and help you, it give you a scoring punch. You would hope 
that you had drafted a guy a couple of seasons ago that uh, was known for his scoring prowess in college uh, that mm. could take that opportunity and run with it. Uh, and I'm, of course, talking about James Booknight, who was did not get garbage time minutes in the game against Utah because those minutes went to Bryce McGowan's. He does get a few garbage time minutes in this one, and he didn't play well. He proceeded to take a, a weird step back three, corner three, that uh, hit off the corner, top corner of the backboard. And then uh, the following play gives up a bad offensive rebound to Dwayne Washington Jr. Uh, someone asked me on every Hornets box score, hey, why didn't we see book night against Utah? And I don't have any other answer. I mean, I don't have any insider information. Uh, you know, there were some rumblings about his uh, level of effort in, in Greensboro from what people were seeing, but I don't, I don't know how much truth there is to that. But I think it's obvious, like he's had opportunities in practice and and in games, and he's just not showing you anything that would allow you to to give to give yourself permission to give him a bigger role. Clifford said it um, almost in frustration that there have been guys that have had opportunities this season. Everyone's had an opportunity, including Book Knight, yeah. and the guys that are playing now, your Bryce McGowan's, your Mark Williams. Those are the players that have taken their opportunity and actually played well, and the other guys haven't. No, it, it, he hasn't. So I I don't know what is going to happen with James Booknight's future here, but it has gone about as poorly as you could have ever imagined in the first two seasons with Charlotte, right? I mean, this is not a good draft history for Charlotte. It's, it's pretty awful. It's well-documented. If you look at the first two seasons worth of production for these other awful draft picks, Book Nights is actually worse. I mean, that's just how it is for a lot of these other players. You have to go back to Noah Vonley. It doesn't mean that Book Nights never going to figure it out. It doesn't mean that. But if if you were to make projections on these guys, which is all we can do right now, I don't know how you have any faith that Book Night is going to figure it out here in this no. city. Yeah. And and it might be the, it might be a moment where he just has to go on somewhere else. I mean, Noah Vonley, Adam Morrison, first round pick territory, right? Like you can clown Frank Kaminsky all you want to. I'm here for it. Frank Kaminsky got in the rotation, mate, right or wrong. Kaminsky hit down, hit shots. I mean, wasn't this poor? So he I was a rotation I player hope, on a playoff yeah. team. I mean, he is, you know, his rookie season, he yeah. got, he got run with that playoff team. So no, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Frank Kaminsky was able to make an impact. It just wasn't the impact that was necessary that that would mm -hmm. that would allow you again to give him a big contract moving forward. And and other teams have seen the same thing with with Kaminsky, but with Book Night, it's crazy. With Kai, and I'm going to lump Kai Jones into this, who also got some garbage time minutes too. Kai Jones to me has been more a victim of his circumstance in that. Uh, you know, he, he's on a team full of centers. You really have to play him at center. You you shouldn't play him at power forward. He can't guard power forward. He can't guard four, especially if a team goes small. So he's been a victim of the fact that the Hornets have three legitimate center players that, they, that they're having trouble finding minutes for anyway. Book Knight has had opportunities. There have been a ton of guard injuries. And you just – you're going to Bryce McGowan's. You're going to Teo Maladon, who they picked up off the garbage heap. You know, so – it's it's crazy to me because Walker, I remember that draft. I was covering it. I was helping to produce the live show for Locked On that covered that draft, and people were gushing about the Hornets moving up to get Kai Jones and Book Knight, and they gushed. I think oh, I yeah. remember they they were they were high on the Vonley pick. So it just goes to show you if the pundits like something that the Hornets do, 
be very, very afraid. <laughs> they, they loved they loved book night as well. I mean, we we yeah. didn't we didn't love it. I didn't I didn't I didn't hate it, but I also didn't love it. And I was willing to because there's a lot of fun stuff about book night. And and it's not just to bring up Frank Minsky, right? Like it, you know, Malik Monk, somebody that was not nearly as good as I had hoped for sure at, at the beginning of it. But Malik Monk moves on. And even the first two years, he was you know, had some production. PJ Washington, you know, Miles Bridges, LaMelo, the, the Mitch Kupchak first round picks before that James Booknight, Kai Jones, they had all kind of worked out, to be honest with you. I mean, Cody Zeller, MKG, yeah. you can roll your eyes at MKG, man. Like MKG was one of the better defenders in the NBA. And, you know, he also had an injury that was kind of somewhat of an excuse for him at the very yeah. beginning of the season. So I, you're just you're just not seeing it from Booknight. And the last thing I'll say on this uh-huh. is the 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 expectations matter when you're comparing Kai Jones and James Booknight. Kai Jones was always, always very much so at risk of being a two-year project, right? Yeah. Like that was that was always in the cards. I'm not surprised. Now, patience runs thin. Fans will talk themselves into, oh, we can do that. And then once we, we can wait two years. And then once you wait a year, the patience runs too thin and you don't want to do that anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it was always talked about him being two years away before he even contributes a little bit. Doug, I legitimately thought Book Knight was going to have to come off of the bench his rookie season and contribute, like right away. And I, I thought there was a real shot for that. And Steve Clifford, I said it yesterday too. James Book Knight, Steve Clifford was going to give him minutes, even if they were fully healthy. Clifford talked about that, man. Like he's like, look, Book Knight's going to get minutes, no matter if Lamelo's healthy, no matter if Terry, Cody Martin, right? Like he was always going to get an opportunity. Of course, gets it with the injuries even more so. And it's just not happening. So I, I hope he's able to figure it out. I just haven't seen any evidence that he will. Well, I think, he, and and I think what what fans should understand if they've been kind of paying attention in and out, which it's fair if they've been doing that this season. But I think what fans should understand is that he has gotten an opportunity. He has gotten a fair shake. And unfortunately, he hasn't been able to do anything with that. And and it's continuing And he, because he has a theoretical skill that the Hornets desperately need right now and yet can't find playing time. There's there's a reason. There's a reason for that. Uh, and hopefully, you know, hopefully something changes for him, whether it's a scenery change or whether it's a life change or a game change, whatever it is, hopefully something clicks for him because he's he's too talented to never find a place in the NBA. That would be that'd be a real shame. Yeah. And and again, I, I say any evidence, you know, I'll be careful just, you know, so people don't come at me with the Sacramento game. It was a fun game, right? Nine of fourteen is rookie season. You had the game against the Kings. You had the game against Toronto, even though you lost by, you know, twelve. You got some garbage time minutes, you know, against Indiana. Um, when they've won by 32. So just kind of looking at his game log, there, there's been a few, but there's not been enough evidence for me to believe that it's going to work out for him here in Charlotte. All right, that'll do it for Locked on Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. Catch us anywhere you get your podcast. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked on can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked on NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Come on, boys. We're going zone. 